0: place of dragging Christians even from foreign cities to put them to death or to throw them in prison to Saul Saul why are you persecuting me persecuting me who are you Lord I am Jesus the one who rose again from the dead the one in whom you hate his followers and we see that God saves him saves him brings him from this place to living for him, serving him, teaching, proclaiming the gospel. And we find that Paul is someone who, he loves Christ, just loves him. You Think of your testimony. It may not have been that there was a bright light and there may not have been a voice coming from heaven, but in the same way, God saved you. The same way God saved you. And you maybe didn't persecute Christians, you maybe didn't drag them from foreign cities, or you maybe didn't throw them in prison or to put them to death. But there's things that come into your mind as far as what is it that God has saved me from? For for Paul it had to be where he could just imagine cries, right? Imagine faces. Imagine men and women that he's having pulled from their homes, dragged to Jerusalem, thrown into prison, or even with Stephen, you see him there approving of his martyrdom of being put to death, being there, seeing it. All of these images in his mind of what it is that he has done. And realizing he was wrong. Realizing all the things that he did that he thought were those things that earned him favor with God. Was rubbish in comparison to Christ. And seeing Christ. And knowing that Christ died and rose again from the dead. This was a man who just fell in love with Christ. And the gospel. Grace of God. He loved grace. As we've been going through this book of ephesians haven't we found over and over again that this is a man who is so clear on what the gospel is and someone who is so thankful for the gospel you see him saying things like in him we have redemption we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he made to abound towards us. And so he's just thinking redemption. I was purchased through the precious blood of Christ, I have forgiveness of all my sins, and it's according to the riches of his grace, the riches of his grace. And when you have pictures in your mind of what you have done, what a joy it is to have pictures in your mind of the riches of the grace of God overflowing unending riches that are poured upon him and upon us. He says things in this book like and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. You once walked according to the course of this world. You once once walked according to the ways of Satan. This is what you did. But he made you alive. He took you who were dead and he Made you alive in Christ. He has made you a new creation. You are born again in him. This is what salvation looks like. The clarity of, of, of that transition of, but God who's rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you've been saved. And so he's just picturing himself on that road. But God, who's rich in mercy Because of the great love in which he loved me. He loved me. Even when I was dead in trespasses. Even when I was pulling people from foreign cities and taking them to be put to death or to be thrown into prison. He made us or made me alive together with Christ and it's by grace that I've been saved. It wasn't because he deserved it. It wasn't because he earned it. It wasn't because he was just really seeking for truth. It wasn't because he wanted something so badly and finally figured out after looking at all the evidence, it was that God, who's rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved him, saved Saul and he became the Apostle Paul. For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. There's no boasting. He goes there to the end of of chapter 2 and tells us that now therefore you're no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God you gentiles you're no longer strangers you're no longer foreigners but you're fellow citizens you're part of the household of God now this is someone who hated gentiles right he he went touch gentiles won't want to be around gentiles he hated christians so much so to put them to death and now he's in a place of gentiles you're a part of the household of faith gentiles you're you're a part of god's kingdom You're part of the same body as all of us. The temple of God, you're a part of the body you've been grafted in, you belong to us and we, to you, we are the same. And we come to Ephesians chapter three. And he begins by saying, for this reason, in verse one, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. I'll stop there for a moment. He's not just speaking figuratively here. This this is someone who went as the disciples that are around him, his friends, his fellow Christians that are around him are saying, don't go. You're going to be put to death. Don't go. And his response is they're pleading with him not to go up to Jerusalem. We see that his response is, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. What are you doing? Why are you weeping? Why are you doing this? I am ready to die. I'm ready to go. I'm going to Jerusalem. And so he goes. And as he's there, he proclaims the gospel. He tells everybody as they're listening, this is what God did for me. This is who I was. This is what I did. This is how God saved me. And everybody's listening on to what is being said. And then there comes this point in Acts chapter twenty-one, where we're told that he says, "There, it's in your hand." Out there, Acts, I'm sorry, Acts twenty-two, in verse twenty-one. And then he said to me, "Depart, for I will." That God said to him, "Depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles." This is what I'm going to do. I'll send you far from here to the Gentiles. Now when the Jews heard this, it tells us they listened to him until this word. You're going to go to the Gentiles? You're going to go preach the gospel to the Gentiles? You're going to say that they're on the same level as us? That God's doing a work in them just like he's done to the people of Israel. And it says. They listened to him until this word. And then. They raised their voices and said. Away with such a fellow from the earth. For he is not fit to live. Away with such a fellow from the earth. He is not fit to live. If he's going to say that. He's going to the Gentiles. Okay we're stopping you right there. You're not fit to live. And they begin to pull him out and to beat him, to beat him. And we're told that as this is taking place, news came to the commander of the garrison that Jerusalem was in an uproar. And so he immediately took soldiers and centurions and they ran down to them. And when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they all stopped beating Paul. And you watch from that point in Acts through the end of the book. And there's a narrative of what takes place in Paul's life. Two years in prison in Caesarea, up to three years in prison following that, five years in prison. And he says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. It was because he was proclaiming the gospel to the Gentiles. For that reason, thrown into prison. But there was a love for the Gentiles. He was called to preach to the Gentiles in Ephesians 3, 2, it says, If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which, which was given to me for you. Now just stop them from for a moment. When we look at Ephesians 3, 1, it begins with, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. And then he stops. And he doesn't start up again that thought that you see in verse 1 until you get to verse 14. So there's a parenthesis here, significant parenthesis from Verse 1, going all the way down to verse 14. In verse 14, you see it again. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then then we go from there to just the most incredible prayer recorded that we'll study in a few weeks. But there's this parenthesis that's there. as, As if he's saying, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ for you Gentiles... But I need to stop before I tell you the prayer that I'm going to pray. And it's because you need to hear this. This is important for you. And so he says, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to to me for you. We find that that God specifically talked to Paul there and, and, and specifically made it clear to him that he was to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. Let's look at what takes place at his salvation in Acts 26 verse 12, thus while occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when, all, and when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and the things of which I will yet reveal to you. For I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So he's very clear. God's very clear with them as far as this is what you are about ready to do. Get up on your feet. I'm speaking to you directly. And you are going to the Gentiles. You're going to them. And when you go to them, You're going to tell them what I teach you so that you may open their eyes, turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. The words are so clear there from Christ. Get up. This is what you're going to do. And you're going specifically to the Gentiles. you, You got to think of a Jewish Pharisee. Going to the Gentiles and doing this, this is an act of God in which God says, I'm knocking you to the ground, there's a light that shines, this is what you're going to do, and so he goes. You've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you. For the Gentiles. Verse 3. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly already written, or written already, By which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. And so we see him refer to this mystery. By revelation, he made known to me the mystery. God did this. He revealed the mystery to me. I've already briefly written about it there in the first part of this epistle. Is what I believe he's talking about here. I've already briefly written about it. You've read some of it, but when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. What's the mystery? It goes on in verse 5 and, and, and begins to tell us this, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has, been, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. And here's the mystery. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. In other ages, it was not made known to the sons of men. I mean, they knew part of it, right? We go through, and I gave several examples here, but just to look at some of them. Think of Abraham. All the Jews would have known about Abraham, right? And there at the time of his calling, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord comes to Abram, and remember, he's a pagan, not someone who is following after the things of God. God comes and specifically reaches Abram. Comes from a pagan family. And God says to him, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There, in Genesis 12, verse 1. In you. I'm going to make you a great nation. But in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, there was a remnant from Adam and Eve. You always find a remnant, doesn't it? One that is there, where there's this line, and it's coming, and and it's all pointing to God's people, and ultimately towards our Savior. But God takes Abram, and make you a great nation, bless you, but in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Brothers and sisters, think about this for a moment. There, at a point in one of the earliest times in history. God goes to Abram and says, this is what I'm going to do. And ultimately, we know that you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as we'll look at in a moment. But Israel comes. And from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their lineage going all the way down, Christ comes. See, when, when God gives this covenant, when he makes this promise in Genesis chapter 12, in the forefront of our Lord's mind is Christ will come and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All of them. Jews, and Gentiles. The promise was given way back then as far as Gentiles. To come into faith in Christ. Being saved. This promise is reiterated several times to Abraham. In Genesis thirteen sixteen, After he came into the land of Canaan. He says, and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. So that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. From you, your descendants, the dust of the earth. Again, after God appeared to Abraham, encouraging him to not be afraid, we're told that God brought him outside as Abraham saying, I don't have any descendants. And God says, look now towards heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And Abraham believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. There's there's a lot in that verse, isn't there? We see this where he's doubting. God comes and says, will you go up and just... It's nighttime Will you look up to the heavens. And one of my favorite things to do when you're up in the mountains or you're someplace far away from streetlights on a clear night is to look up into the sky. And You know what I'm talking, right, if you've ever left Orange County? You you, <laughs> you, you just see it's just brilliant as far as the, the sky and the stars. Same stars God takes Abraham and says, look at him. Count them if you're able to number them. So shall your descendants be. And Abraham believes. There's faith that's there. He trusts him that this is something God's going to do. Trust the Lord. He believes in him, and it's accounted unto him for righteousness. Faith comes to Abraham here in such a way that we look at the faith is there, and righteousness follows. He saved by faith. It's accounted unto him for righteousness. Again, God spoke to Abraham before Isaac was conceived. He's 99 years old. And he tells him, you shall be the father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of many nations, Gentiles and Jews. God spoke to Abraham before Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, saying, All the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Again, God spoke to Abraham after Abraham offered up Isaac as a sacrifice, saying, I will bless you and multiply multiply you, your descendants, as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies." In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Paul talks about what's taking place here in Galatians 3, verse 8, where he says, In the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. God determined that the Gentiles would be forgiven of their sins, brought into the kingdom of God, made a part of God's family, grafted in to his people, saved for all eternity from the very beginning. From the very beginning. That promise that's there. Is given to Abraham's son Isaac. In chapter 26 verse 4 of Genesis. He says. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And then again to Jacob. You remember where there's that dream and it's Jacob's ladder. It says, Behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All of them. What is the ladder? We find in the New Testament that that ladder is Christ. How do we get to heaven? How does this take place? Going through Christ. He is the only means by this. But we see this over and over and over again all the families of the earth shall be blessed God's saying it'll go to the west and the east to the north and to the south you could go north through Canada up to the North Pole you can go south through Mexico through Central America all the way down To the tip of South America, Christians. You can go to Asia, Australia, Russia, all of Europe, Middle East, Africa. Brothers and sisters, there's believers in all of these places. The gospel has gone forth and continues to go forth to all the nations. And there are Gentiles, there's Asians, Europeans, Blacks, Hispanics, all different ethnicities, every tribe, every tongue, every people, and they're being saved. God has done this. The promise came again to Isaiah in Isaiah 41 verse 8, but you Israel are my servant Jacob, whom I've chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend, you whom I've taken from the ends of the earth and called from the farthest regions and said to you, you are my servant, I've chosen you and have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The descendants of Abraham, my friend whom, you whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and are called from its farthest regions all over. Incredibly short psalm. Psalm 117. And it says this, in these two verses of the psalm. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. For his merciful kindness is great towards us. And the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Now go back to the mystery that has been solved. What is this mystery? The mystery is this that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Now, if that just came out too quickly, let me slow that down for a second. If you're here as a Gentile this morning, I mean someone who didn't come from Jewish descent, you, according to his mystery, are fellow heirs. That's huge. You will spend eternity with Christ, seeing him in all of his glory, entering into the joy of the Lord forgiven of all your sins, made his special people. You who were not his people will be made his people. Washed by the precious blood of Christ. Promises that had been given from the very beginning of salvation that would come have been given to you and to me so that we could spend eternity in fellowship with a holy, perfect, almighty God. And it is all by grace. And it comes through faith In the work of Christ upon the cross. You are of the same body. There's not one that's higher than the other. We are all the same. Jews and Gentiles, we are together in Christ. We all have different functions, but we are a part of the same body. We are part of the same family. We are part of the same nation as we looked at last week. And we are partakers of his promise in Christ. Through the gospel. Which means this. That if you believe in Christ. That he died on the cross for your sins. That he gives you his righteousness. That he is in fact God. The son of God. God the son. And he died for you. And you believe in him. And you call upon him to forgive you of your sins. You will not perish, but have everlasting life through faith in Christ according to the gospel. And so again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. For his merciful kindness is great towards us, the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Paul was willing to go to prison, was willing to be beaten, even though warned, would not take no for an answer. He would go to Jerusalem even when the Spirit testified that chains and tribulations would await him. But he says, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life precious to myself, that I might finish my race with joy, right? And testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The good news that we have, Paul heard, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. And God saved him. God said, now go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles, and he went. And he took the entirety of his life to say, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. I'm going to pour myself into living for him because he loved him. Loved him. He knew what God saved him from and he knew what God saved him for. Do you? Do you love him? Paul loved him. As much as Paul has been saved from So have you. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're an unbeliever, and you think the weight of my sin is too great, I'll get my life right, and then I'll come to God. There was no waiting for Saul of Tarsus. Knocked to the ground. I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Saved life radically changed by faith in christ from that day forward brothers and sisters you are unable to clean yourself up right none of us were and the unbeliever you will never be able to clean yourself up prior to christ he cleans us up he changes us he transforms us it's by grace that you have been saved This mystery that's been solved, that's been revealed. I pray that it would be as precious to us in this sanctuary here this morning as it has been to thousands upon thousands who have understood what it means to be joint heirs with Christ, made his people. All of the privileges of sonship, chosen by God, his own special people, us who were not his people, made his people and eternity with him. By God's grace, he even gave us a psalm to sing. Praise the Lord. Praise him. Laud him. For his merciful kindness is great towards us. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we love your grace. We're so thankful for the cross. We're so thankful for what you have accomplished for us. You have saved us, not based upon our good works, but all according to your unending, immeasurable grace and your kindness towards us through the cross. I pray that as we close our service with worship and partaking in communion, That we as your people would remember you, be thankful to you, have our hearts overflowing with praise and adoration, lovers of our God, thankful for our salvation, and partaking in a manner that is very much worthy of our Savior who gave his life for us, took the wrath that we deserved upon himself. We pray, Lord, that this would just be a precious time of communion with one another, and especially, Lord, with you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This time. We are uh, going to partake in communion, and so you can come forward and take the elements. If you need somebody to take the elements to your seat, just raise your hand and somebody will bring them to you. Um, for the children who are here, parents, We pray that you would use the discussion to know whether your children are believing or unbelieving at this time so they might partake in a worthy manner. If you're an unbeliever, this is not for you this morning. You can stay where you're seated or you could believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and partake in communion, which is far better. For us as believers, take the elements, go back to your seats, and then we will partake all together in just a few moments. We began the service just by talking about how much the Apostle Paul so clearly loved Christ. Because he got it, right? He understood what he had been saved from. He understood how he was saved. He understood that he was sealed until the day of redemption because of the work of Christ in his life and the gift of the Holy Spirit to him. I pray that as we take in communion, partake in communion together this morning, that there is just a sweetness of this bread representing his body, which is broken for us. Our bodies will never have to be broken like that our guilt, our sin, our shame. We will never have to pay the price for those things because when his body was broken, it was all placed upon him. His precious blood, the payment for our sin, his blood spilled. Oh, to think of the wrath of God Placed upon God the Son because He so loved the world that He gave us His only begotten Son. Sin forgiven. I think Paul would have joyfully sung with us just now. Oh, what an amazing love. What an amazing love. God would die for us. As we partake, may we properly remember him. Remember the cross. Be thankful for his body that was broken and his blood that was shed. Can we pray together? Lord Jesus, we are amazed at you. So thankful for you. Lord, we, we hear that in Abraham, all the families of the earth would be blessed. And we are blessed. We are so blessed. Not only at that point, but even before that, you chose us even before the foundations of this world. What a God that we serve, that you would do that for us and then pay a price that we could not pay so that we could spend eternity with you, basking in your glory, praising you, giving all of the glory to you for our salvation. Not of work so that none of us would ever be able to boast. It's all a result of Christ and you crucified And so we partake this morning with hearts overflowing with thankfulness and praise and adoration, remembering you until you come. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you partake with me? and In the same manner, may we partake in the cup together. We all stand together as one body. Then may we sing praises with all that is within us to our Savior. God bless you.